<laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Welcome to the uninitiated. Today we're talking about Star Wars. We have uh, our usual motley crew with uh, Nez Evans, and uh, we have our guest today, Arvina Martin, a proud citizen of the Ho Chunk Nation, calling in from Madison, Wisconsin. She's also Stockbridge Muncie as well as uh, Enoch and Warrior, who will be calling in in a little bit, and we'll make sure he slides in an introduction when he's ready. Welcome. Want to say hi and add anything else to your introduction, Arvina? Um, hi. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, so to speak. <laughs> did I get that right? Uh, did I get that right, Ho-Chunk and Stockbridge Muncie? Yep, that's me. Proud peoples of the great state of Wisconsin. <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> How are you doing today, Nez? Dandy. Nez is really excited. Arvina is really excited because uh, we have we have uh, some real super fans of uh, of the Star Wars series. Arvina, why do you think uh, natives love Star Wars so much? You know, it's a classic story, and especially if you think about the thing, the the original trilogy. You know, thinking about the way that we have historically been storytellers and telling stories in general, these are very epic ones, and um, we relate to fighting against some big shadowy government. <laughs> That's something that we can relate to. We're kind of like the rebels in a lot of ways. Nez, can you, uh, Arvina just shared a really great answer, and can you break down a little bit some of the more uh, specific and nuanced people for <laughs> the last two people in the world who haven't seen anything to do with Star Wars? Uh, just Maybe explain to us who the rebels are, who the uh, who the republic is, who the shadowy government is. Okay, the rebels are a band of elves fighting against this guy named Sauron. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're killing me. Uh, the rebels are usually just known as that. The rebels, they're a band of humans and species from all across the universe who are fighting against the Empire, which is, uh, it's led by Darth Vader and the Emperor, and they lead a band of stormtroopers against the rebels. And then we have the precursor, precursor to that, which revealed that the Empire was actually the remnants, or not really the remnants, the, the transformed version of the Republic, which is, uh, originally was a more, I guess, democratic nation, uh, including members such as, like, the then at that point Emperor Palpatine and Queen Amidala, who uh, eventually, which eventually transformed into the Empire and uh, created a regime that would eventually produce the Republic. So basically, a nice democratic representative government that uh, went bad and turned evil. Yeah, if you, it, it sounds it sounds really cheesy when you put it like that, but yeah. <laughs> It's because Star Wars is a little bit cheesy, but I think that's why so many people <laughs> like it. I like Star Wars because it's a little bit cheesy. Wisconsin native Arvina knows about cheese. <laughs> I do. I like it a lot. Uh, before we get back to you, Arvina, uh, Nez, can you break down real fast the Jedi and the Sith? The Jedi and Sith play a somewhat odd role, along with just the political conflict that is that should be i personally think should be the basis for most of the movies there's this basically group of uh two it's it's almost like an outside group of uh i don't i don't want to put my own biases into this description go ahead and bias away a little bit <laughs> arvino and enoch will balance it out they're basically a group of like religious cops <laughs> that have like uh special powers uh, that draw their power from a source called the force and they uh it's basically whoever they spot, whoever it's sponsored by 
I don't even know if I should say sponsor, but whoever is facilitated by whoever the Jedi facilitate, they're basically the good guys. And for the majority of the first, the majority of the prequel movies, they uh, they sort of like are facilitating and sponsoring the Republic's moves toward moves and uh, decisions that they make. But eventually, with the fall of the Republic or the fall quotation marks. Um, they eventually, the last of the Jedi, eventually move towards helping and uh, supporting the re- the rebellion. We get the sort of topsy turvy switch with the Sith uh, supporting the Trade Federation, which in and of itself was a different kind of rebellion against the Republic, to the Sith supporting the Empire and the Jedi re- supporting the re- the rebellion. And they have laser swords. Yeah, and they have laser swords too. But it's a really <laughs> It's a complicated story with a lot of parts, and right now uh, there have been seven movies, and just to clarify for listeners who aren't completely aware, the first three movies to be released were actually the fourth, fifth, and sixth movies in the series. This is so ridiculous. And then during the late 90s, the first, second, and third movies in the series were released, and now just recently in 2015, December, the seventh movie was released. So it's prequels on top of sequels on top of what some would call in the most recent movie a remake. But we'll save that conversation for the initiated a little bit later on. A lot on. of ins and outs and what have yous. Um, in the meantime, let's keep Episode it. Episode let's... seven being the, the first movie that was released in order, the right order. <laughs> Like I said, save that save that for the initiated uh, cheesy arena because we'll 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 dive into that a little bit later on or in in in, in, in the other in the other episode. Um, for now, uh, we'll keep it light and easy. Arvina, who's your favorite Jedi or who's your favorite character? Well, I I have I mean it's really hard to keep like choosing your favorite. I was going to say Green Bay Packer, but that's also that's also Wisconsin. I know a lot of people don't like him, but I like Boba Fett. I actually have a tattoo of him. I think he's shadowy, and I think that he does what he needs to do to get his job done. And some people don't necessarily, he's not necessarily a good guy or a bad guy. He's whoever does whatever he gets paid to do. What exactly, what's his, interesting. what's his job title? He is a bounty hunter. People pay him to go get other people or other species or other beings usually sentient. So I'd say you're a pretty dedicated fan if you have a tattoo of him. I do. <laughs> That's pretty hardcore. Which just speaks to the, and I'm not, I'm using this as the literal world, fanatical in terms of just being a super fan, <laughs> not in the crazy sense of fanatical, but just uh, Star Wars has a very strong following. Uh, one of the mm-hmm. notes, uh, Native Comic Book Society membership increased by about a hundred members in less than two months after Star Wars came out. That's a that's a quick little tidbit in effect to show the the fanatical nature of Star Wars in Indian country. Nez, hmm. what is it? Who's your favorite character? Uh, in the whole series? Yeah, all, all seven movies. Yeah, or all. And actually, can you explain a little bit about the extended universe and and everything, including the extended universe? In everything? In everything. So one just to do a real quick one-minute explanation of the extended universe. I'm not going to give you my favorite character in the extended universe as well. I can't. Is that a secret? It's too much to think about. Okay. Anyway, so extended universe is just basically anything that was up until, I think, two years ago. 
that anything that was uh, created with under the title Star Wars that wasn't the movies. This included books, comic books, video games, cartoon series. TV shows? Yeah, I guess so. There were like three TV shows. I know Arvina's favorite TV show is the uh, B author starring Christmas episode. <laughs> Did you know that that was released on my birthday? Really? That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you were born on Christmas? No. Oh. Uh, so in the extended universe, so including everything, who is your favorite? I don't know. I can give you my favorite character in the movies. That's a lot easier. All I right. can't think of the extended universe right now. It makes me sad. I usually... Well, in the time period that he's alive, it's Jango Fett. But outside of that, um... oh, wait, no, I can give you my favorite character from the extended universe. It's Shock T. She's one of the Jedi Masters that usually doesn't get shown very often in the movies. I think she was at the Battle of Geonosis for like two seconds. But uh, yeah, she's pretty cool. And that's in episode two, Attack of the Clones? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a point of reference for people. So fans, go look it up. The Battle of Geonosis and the episode two, Attack of the Clones. It's a good battle. Uh, some said that Insync were supposed to have been hidden in there as extras. <laughs> oh, and then uh, not Jango Fett. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi is the Jedi, the one that matters. Arvina, your daughter has a very yeah. interesting nickname. What's your daughter's nickname? I call her the Ewok, mostly because... You know, she has a lot of she has a lot of relatives out, you know, uh, all over the country, and they. I saw a post about her on Facebook, but I didn't want to be blowing up her name on social media all the time. You know, I didn't want to make her Googleable from birth. So I actually had made her a costume when she was maybe three, um, and she was an Ewok. She was Wicket for Halloween in the costume. I, if I not to toot my own horn, but it was on point, and it looked really good. And all the parents that saw her were like, oh, my gosh, it's an Ewok. So I just started to refer to her as the Ewok on when I post about her on Facebook um, so people know who she is. And I actually had somebody think that I had named my child Ewok, and she was really confused. I was like, oh, no, that's not her actual name. That's what I call her on Facebook. <laughs> you might have so. to start using a real name to maintain her anonymity. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in, we actually have our second guest who's now available, Enoch N. Warrior, who's a proud Navajo and uh, Wisconsin Oneida. He's calling in from up in Denver, and so we'd like to welcome Enoch to the show. Welcome, Enoch. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing all right. How are you doing? Thanks for uh, for making time to call in. Anything yeah. else you wanted to add to your introduction? Recent graduate of UNM in political science. Also, a very fresh entrepreneur. Um, I have, like, selling T-shirts. I guess the name of my company is uh, called Reclaim Diné. It's on uh, Facebook. Yeah, I've just appeared, just got done setting up uh, uh, Denver March Powwow, and they're having a uh, grand entry, so <laughs> a little hectic. No, thanks for making the time. And I think just to demonstrate your fandom and how much you love Star Wars as a Native person, what is the predominant theme in the designs of your T-shirts? I would probably say... The thing I try to emphasize the most is like how I confuse different ideals that I see Native symbols have and Star Wars symbols. So, example, I, I have a T-shirt that I call Rebel, and it's actually the the Rebel Alliance crescent, but in the middle, instead of the thing that looks like a spade, I put like spider rock because for the longest time, spider or spider rock or Kenny Deshaye, which spider rock is located has been our stronghold, Navajo stronghold, ever since the Spanish Empire, 
the National Mexican Army, United States Army. That was our one-two place. That was our stronghold. And in a way, uh, not just Navajos, but all Natives were rebels. Rebels going against an establishment that was, you know, <laughs> kind of play back to Star Wars, you know, Rebel, the Galactic Empire and the Rebel Alliance. So I played those two symbols, and that's what I came out with as a mixture of, you know, those both themes, so to speak. Very strong, very powerful. Speaking of strong and powerful, Arvina has shared, uh, would you mind sharing your story about uh, your daughter Ewok uh, when she uh, wanted to go to school and represent proudly her love of Star Wars. Oh, she has. She actually wears Star Wars t-shirts most days to school. She frequently tells me that she's the only girl in her class who likes Star Wars. When I took her, I took her the opening night, Thursday night, to see The Force Awakens, and I had to have crazy conversations about what spoilers were and. You know, because they, they had one more day of school before winter break, and I didn't want her to ruin anything for any of the other little kids in there that might be going to see it. And she was like, oh, no, it just, I don't spoil things. I, the girls don't do spoilers. Only the boys do, and I'm, and, and I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. And, I, and she was very, very, uh, <laughs> she was very intent on not spoiling it to, uh, to the point where uh, a teammate of mine had, was asking her about it, and she looked at me like she was being tricked. <laughs> I was like, "No, no, it's okay. You can you can tell her about what you liked about the movie, and that's fine." But she actually has been wearing her hair like Ray in the kind of three looped ponytails on the back of her head, which is great. It's it's actually a really great hairstyle for a little kid that runs around all the time. Her hair gets a lot less knotted, <laughs> so I like it too. <laughs> Specifically, could you talk a little bit about when she got some pushback from the boys since she was the only girl, how she was a rebel in her own right, standing up for mm-hmm. herself as well as the other little girls? Yeah, well, she, and, and I think and a lot of, of it is kind of, um, with The Force Awakens, there were a lot of more women characters, and not just Rey, who is a main protagonist in the film, and now General Leia, but there were also... Um, women who were officers in the uh, resistance as well as in the First Order. Um, so she that really stood out to her, and that made her kind of get a she She found pride in that, and she said every time she kind of tapped me on the shoulder, say, see, Mama, girls can fly X-Wings too. See, Mama, you know, we, they, can, they can control the computers at the big Starkiller base, and um, you know, we can do all this stuff, too. And so I think she she got a little bit te- teased a little bit about it because she is the only girl in her class that is really into Star Wars. She took that, the, the, the roles of women in the newest episode and was able to say, no, uh, this is my place. I like it, and this is what I'm going to do, and it's okay. It makes me happy to see her standing her ground for something that she likes. Cool. It's also uh, a little bit full circle, too, because you talked about how uh, Star Wars has has empowered your daughter, and especially with uh, increased diversity in Star Wars being a great thing, especially in the newest uh, the newest Star Wars movie in the series. One of the things that's really interesting about Star Wars is that Princess Leia's original bun hairstyle is usually credited as being influenced as a uh, as a Hopi woman's hairstyle. Enoch, if you don't mind chiming in a little bit and talk a little bit about that back and forth, how it's it's really a cool thing that natives can take pride in 
and the influence traditional Native hairstyles have had in movies like Star Wars, but then also uh, share a little bit about uh, the comics you've been creating and the designs you've been creating and the characters you've been creating, uh, the strong women with the lightsabers. And uh, and uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about that full circle of Native's influence on Star Wars and how Star Wars is influencing you as a Native artist. Well, before I go and explain, actually, uh, my, my brother got for Christmas concept art for, like, season one for Star Wars Clone Wars. And in the book, they would talk about, you know, things that they would, tr- like, certain themes that creators, artists would try to capture. I remember this one part when they were doing the, the fight on Ryloth with uh, the Tweelocks. They researched um, rebel fighters in the Sahara, Sudan, and they saw this, like, you know, certain look that fit into what they were trying to portray with, you know, the Tweelocks fighting the Separatists. Jumping on that, it's interesting to see how much Native influence, or, you know, even just connecting the dots, so to speak, like, a good example was Ray. Ray, you know, was hugely influenced by Southwest, Native Southwest, uh, Princess Leia with the Hopi hair buns, and even uh, some names. I know that Saboba is actually a name out in California, a name of a tribe, and even the name Ewok was the name that was originally from Miwok, which is a tribe in the Redwood Forest of North California. So there's that interesting play that George Lucas, you know, takes notice to. But to bring more personally with my artwork, again, I, I love Star Wars. It's a, a great joy for me. So when I do art, <laughs> my parents always tell me, like, do something Southwest, do something with pottery, do something with desert scenes. And, I mean, there's a bunch of artists that do that, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just it, it's kind of hard, especially as an artist, to establish yourself as what is your thing, what is your niche, what is something that makes you unique from everyone else. And so I, I just started combining Star Wars and Native uh, appearances, so to speak. So, like, uh, you know, Navajo hair bun, um, a breech cloth, like grass dancers wear, or, you know, just uh, a rug dress, but make it more stylish with, you know, a, a Jedi wardrobe, so to speak. And the reason that came to be is, like, I, I wanted to clash those two things together. I mean... And there's other artists that do it. I mean, there's uh, Ryan, I believe his name's Ryan Singer, and he just takes Star Wars stuff and just places around the res. And then there was another guy who would take old Native photos and place another, you know, Star Wars objects just in those photos. And then those two artists, those are pretty awesome. And so for me, I wanted to create, I wanted to blend them together. And so I started drawing these, like, these, like, what would that look like? What would that feel like? And even now with, like, uh, I actually recently had this idea of, like, doing a comic about where during the hyperspace wars, band of Jedi that were fighting the Sith or fighting the Mandalores, Mandalorians got cut off, depleted of their resources, found an unknown planet in the unknown space. And that's actually something that I'm really, it, really interesting is, like, there's so much, like, there's so much established within the Star Wars universe, so many planets, but then there's also, like, the unknown space, the unknown frontier area so to speak so i had this concept like well what if that planet was just purely inhabited by natives and these jedi get caught and get landed and i wanted to create you know kind of like a western 
Star Wars, Native, mixing in with, like, the Empire being the Calvary type theme. So I'm, like, I'm really drawing that out. And just, to, to be honest, writing stories and writing, you know, dialogue is not the easiest thing for me. Like, drawing drawing people, drawing figures, whatever, it, it comes naturally to me. But then to, to, to tell a story behind it, it's challenging. But those are, like, some of the things that I'm just working on. And that's one of the really cool things about comics is that comics is a visual medium. You don't necessarily always need lots of words. Star Wars is also very visual. It's one of the. It's a very visual series of movies, and uh, they have a lot of different types of visuals. Arvina, I think that you were talking before. Oh, and just to uh, slide it in there to plug a little bit because we always like to support native artists. Artist that uh, that Enoch mentioned, Ryan Singer, who does a lot of work with acrylics and paint. Uh, I think you were referring to Stephen Paul Judd, who does a lot of work with uh, Photoshop and a lot of digital design. We always like to plug and support Native artists that are doing really cool stuff. Arvina, I believe that you mentioned something about beadwork uh, in one of our previous yeah. conversations. I was at Apollo in Milwaukee a couple of weeks ago, and I was looking at all the stands, and there was a, a woman showing, um, uh, she had made a bunch of like the little epoxy cabochons, that people make into like earrings or medallions and put beadwork around them, and I bought out all of I have all of her Star Wars capuchons. So I bought like three sets of um, Ewok ones and a Darth Vader set and one that just says Star Wars. Um, and actually, a friend of mine had made me a pair with the Death Star and Tie Fighters on the cabuchon, and then the beadwork around that. Um, and and I wore that when I got to. Uh, give a brief speech at the um, Democratic presidential debate um, in that was also held in Milwaukee um, maybe a month or so ago. So I wore those. I got to show my native nerd bling pride to all the Democrats <laughs> by wearing them while I talked about voter ID. <laughs> Star Wars so, and yeah. Star Wars and native pride all the time. Um. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> We're reaching about the time that we have for the uninitiated. So we'll go ahead and start to wrap up. Nez, did you have anything else that you wanted to ask our guest or anything else to add? Nothing I can think of right now. All right. Uh, Arvina and Enoch, you have any final words that you'd like to share for this portion? Native Star Wars fans out there, we're cool now. <laughs> Don't be afraid to stay connected. And uh, Enoch, yeah. any final word? Uh, just that, you know. If you're an artist, don't be afraid to reach out and mix things that you love. Like, for me, it was Star Wars. Star Wars and drawing, Star Wars and painting, Star Wars and comics. And so don't don't try to think that you have to stay with a certain niche or a certain, you know, like, for me, a Southwest theme artist. But you can always just reach out there, go for something unique, different. So just uh, thank you very much to our guest. New listeners, especially since this is the uh, the section, this is the podcast for new people. Don't be afraid to discover aspects of the of the expanded universe. There's lots of books, lots of comics. I think some of the best stories told in the Star Wars universe are actually in the comics. So don't be afraid to look at that. If you go to the Native Comic Book Society Facebook page, uh, we have a list of a couple of books to start with in terms of comics. And uh, as always, support. Support Native artists. If you see them at powwows, buy their stuff. 
if uh, you see them around, make sure to tell them good job and keep it up. So thank you everybody for listening. That concludes the uninitiated. If you'd like to go ahead and hear a deeper conversation that will have spoilers, it might have some colorful language, but all of our guests today are so polite and so nice, it probably won't have that much. (laughs) Stick around for the initiated podcast coming on right after this. Thank you very much. language this podcast contains suitable for children it is not spoilers lies within if sensitive you are listen to this podcast you should not warned you have been Oh my god. The initiated this is. Welcome. Fuck you. It's time for the uh, initiated podcast about Star Wars. That was Yoda who gave us our beautiful introduction. With us today is esteemed co-host Nez Evans, the glorious and beautiful Arvina Martin, and the magnanimous and powerful Enoch and Warrior. My name is James Zimmermeyer, a member of the Koheri tribe, and I'm going to be your host today. Let's dive right into it. Disney. Disney has ruined Star Wars. We need to take it back. Native people have had too much stuff stolen from us. We stole Star Wars from George Lucas, who stole our traditional concepts. So I say it's time for us to steal Star Wars back. Discuss. I don't want it. Dez doesn't want it. Arvina, what are your feelings? Well, I, yeah. Well, I just want it because I want it. It, I'm sitting here in my room and I've got like Star Wars stuff everywhere. I've got like a Tauntaun sitting on my shelf and like ridiculousness. I'm I love it in you when it sucks. I still love it. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of like of two minds about the whole Disney thing, but because the Disney stuff is making it accessible, making it accessible to people who weren't necessarily um, maybe they were made fun of like I was when I was a kid. <laughs> It's making it available to a lot more people, and like I had mentioned before, like my daughter being really into it, and like the majority of stuff that she reads now is Star Wars related, whether she's reading those visual dictionaries and she's trying to figure out the the differences between various fighter ships or what's the difference between an X-Wing and a Y-Wing fighter. It's I think it's cool, and I'm glad that those resources are out there, so she's, you know, it makes her excited to read is learning how to read and she can read words like galactic now and i find that hilarious i'm really glad that the little ewok is doing well and learn how to read but you know who else made things accessible to people hitler, <laughs> hitler. He, he got he got the trains running on time he got germany out of an economic recession he expanded the borders i mean poland didn't need that extra land he did oh great and oh so uh yeah there were lots of little children learning to read in hitler's youth army and they did great so you know, it's okay if Disney does that too. Disney, Disney's helping people. <laughs> I think I think it's interesting because like people who are the staunchest Star Wars fans 
and who are the biggest George Lucas fans kind of create the situation with Disney because uh, an interview a while back, George Lucas was saying that he just could no longer tell the stories that he thought that he wanted to tell because so many people were critical. And actually, you know, there there's some founded truth to that criticism, but I think this whole fact that Disney is now purchased, I think it's kind of, uh, like I, I, had a, I had an analogy where, like, you try to take down one beast and another one arise. I don't know, is that Hydra? I don't that know. is the Hydra, the Hydra that Hercules defeated and now Marvel is defeating? I don't know. <laughs> He's part of Marvel forever. What are you talking about? Uh, dude, a Hydra, Hydra, Star Wars crossover. No. Once again, for my Parks and Rex peep, Ken walks Han Solo <laughs> with the head of Chewbacca. <laughs> Also, the Hydra is the name of the Women's Flat Track Derby Association uh, International Championship trophy. <laughs> it's a skate. Yeah. I was like, the Hydra. Go roller derby. Arvina is a fierce roller derbier. Lots of Native women out there, too, doing roller derby. Nez has a question for y'all. The whole controversy concerning the new movie, especially, and how people are saying it's kind of just like a cash grab rehash of the A New Hope, and we were just kind of thinking, we were just kind of seeing... Were you guys down on it first before we go off on what we think? Because Des and I have had this conversation. We want to hear some other society members, other initiated. I think because so many people were upset with the new movies, the the prequels, there was a lot of yelling of nostalgia. So Disney, hearing that, decided to play it safe and says, okay, you want nostalgia? We'll give you the whole freaking same thing again. Just, you know, we'll keep it to uh, tweak a little things here and there. I think I think that's one thing that I, I it's a love-hate relationship. I love the fact that Disney bought it and we're getting so much content and movies. But with that being said, we're getting so much freaking content. I mean, there's freaking eyeliners, oranges. <laughs> I, I don't, for me, I don't like the fact that all the extended universe is now considered legends and it's not established canon. I mean, there's some cool stuff in the comics, in the books, in the video games that were established that were pretty kick-ass. One of them off the top of my head was Battlefront 2. There was this whole story of a 501st soldier going from the first battle of Geonosis all the way to Yavin. I thought, you know, that was awesome, but now it's nothing now. It's just it's just there. We can't I, talk I think about 501st. I'm sorry? We can't talk about 501st anymore. It's not canon. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the shit that bothers me. I mean, the fact that we're getting new story like if, if it was in george lucas's hands we would never see anything till the day of light we would see video games books and comics and nothing wrong with that it's just it's nothing like the movies nothing i don't know that's just my my shtick about it the love-hate relationship that i have about you know just the, the whole new franchise the whole new entree of movies that are about to come and until the the final days of earth your comment about movies being better is the way that a lot of non-natives treat natives and being a, an Eastern native and having two other Eastern natives on the show, we finally got some representation. <laughs> to me, it feels like saying that the movies are better or like saying, oh, all the real natives are the Davos and Apaches out West. <laughs> you. <laughs> no, I could, I could totally see that. I, I don't know. I, again, I go back to this whole idea of like these, I call them super fans, these guys who are George Lucas killers. <laughs> decide to take them on and they and, and, and in, in my opinion they succeeded in trying to shut him out of making stories because he doesn't want to make stories anymore mm. now they've created this super monster which is Disney 
I mean, I like Force Awakens. I'm like, don't get me wrong. It just it was a bit repetitive. I mean, there was already a story with the Solo twins. That whole story was pretty magnificent itself. If they just did that, that would have been incredible. But I mean, we got what we got. So I like all the extended universe stuff that is no longer canon. But part of me is kind of excited that there's new stuff and I can be surprised and I'm not going to know everything. That's pretty novel. I was old enough that I don't remember the first time I saw any of the Star Wars movies. They were just kind of always part of my childhood and my experience. So to come see The Force Awakens and really not know what was going to happen, you know, we have kind of ideas of what you think is going to happen. But it's like with the prequels, you know exactly what's going to go down because you know how it turns out in the end. And you know that Anakin's going to turn into Darth Vader and how it's going to go like that. But The Force Awakens was cool, even though it was basically a New Hope reboot. You know, I'm... I'm excited to see where it goes, and hopefully the next two films are not Empire Strikes Back reboot and then Return of the Jedi reboot. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of cool places that they can go and surprises for all of us. So you're saying us it's super nerds. So you're saying it's kind of like the way Christians felt about the New Testament and how exciting that was compared to the boring Old Testament and what the <laughs> Jews were stuck with. <laughs> I love them. I know more about the force than I know about Christianity. <laughs> uh, I don't have anything. Nez was like chomping at the bit. I felt bad. I just I had to make that joke. Once again, I love Jesus. I love you, Jesus. So don't don't smite me. <laughs> but that that religious aspect of it. Do you think? I think that's one of the things that makes that makes Star Wars so native. Also, without buying too deeply into our own stereotypes and automatically thinking that all natives are automatically one with the Earth, uh, we do have a culture that I think, as a native person, I'm very proud of the fact that our culture traditionally was usually pretty balanced, and there wasn't that separation of church and state that there is in other cultures. So is Star Wars kind of like a callback to that with its uh, religious overtones with the Force and everything? I think that you could, it, it, it's not even, it's not necessarily um, religious, but it's just like thinking about the Force and what that is, is a, like a sense of interconnectedness, which is, I would say, part of our Native cultures that, you know, that you're not, it's not just you and it's not just people, it is an more of an interconnectedness with all that you relate with. And I I think that's bigger than just straight-up religion. It's just part of the way you're supposed to be. All my relations, aho. (laughs) Actually, I say that somewhat facetiously, but at the same time, sincerely, man. Way to go look out of people with the introduction of all my relations, because I think that hits the nail on the head of what you're talking about, Starves. Yay. Yeah, and then also, like, um, because I kind of battled about this, like, religion, Star Wars, and what kind of helped me clear the waters was actually a book about Joseph Campbell. Basically, it's just this modern philosopher. This guy was uh, interviewing um, this, this, this philosopher. His last name's Campbell, and it's called The Power of Myth. And this guy goes in deep detail of, like, why there's power in all these, you know, air quotes, myths from Native Americans to the Greeks to the Romans to even modern-day ones, Batman, Superman, Star Wars, and what I got out of it is, like, there's there's universal themes, universal um, uh, morals, so to speak. So, like, I think what's cool about Star Wars is it takes so much 
from Native American, uh, Native philosophy, but also Eastern philosophy, and and to me, it kind of showed the interconnectedness of like chi, the whole world of energy that you don't feel that everything's connected and. And it relates to, you know, back to over here in the with Oneidas and all that stuff. And But, like, that general theme that... And I don't like calling it religion. I, I think it's spirituality, but that's just my tip. But that's what helped me clear the waters is, like, there's these universal themes and there's these things that all cultures, I believe all cultures, all talk about this, this, this energy or this force within a larger scope than our understanding, but it's there. And I feel like Star Wars is a great intro to that. <clears throat> Just based, just going off of this uh, discussion of religion and Star Wars, I'm kind of getting the sense that Star Wars historically has been taking a lot of cues from a lot of different places in terms of religious and religious concept, conceptuality and religious ideas. But it got me thinking, is that is that a form of appropriation, especially when it comes to native ideas and native concepts? Is that something that we, is that something that you guys feel that should should be called out. Aho. Uh-huh. <laughs> I say yes. Yeah. Lucas, Disney yeah. for taking my culture. Because these these it's it's personally it's it's also partly based on my like I have I have a I have somewhat of a beef with uh, George Lucas, but I don't really consider him being doing these kind of callbacks and like borrowing from places with informative tensions, but more with the intention that he's doing this for himself. I think personally. And it's also part of like, now that it's part of Disney, before it was George Lucas's thing and he was like making millions of dollars off of it, it's still a culture, still a religious and cultural concept that might be being used for financial gain. I think it's a, it's a slippery slope. I, for one, I could see the argument being made. I could see how, you know, it is exploiting concepts that derive very deep, um, just for example, like Navajo culture, this idea that there's a there's a force or there's like, oh shoot, I don't even think the word, like, I understand it in my mind, I'm just trying to think of the words to describe it, like this, like, like people think it's, you know, walk in beauty, but it's so much more than that, and the fact that, you know, George Lucas plays with that, I mean, not literally, but these are just two examples, plays with that, makes a financial game, but I think, I think that he just kept it general. I, I, I mean, um, going back to interviews, going back to articles that I read about George Lucas, is he was so fascinated with samurai, Bushido, Shintoism, that he wanted a callback to that time period or that belief. And that's how modern-day Jedis are created, is from those roots. And what I was mainly playing at is, like, he, he just basically was very general about it. I mean, he never made any specific notion. That's why there is the Force. There is Jedis. They're, they're totally, you know, they're just influences off of other things. But I think to call it appropriation, I think that's, that's kind of stretching it because you have blatant appropriation, like, I don't know, from that guy in Arizona who tried to do a sweat lodge and then <laughs> end up killing, like, what, three people? He <laughs> blatantly takes things, he blatantly took things that a very specific spiritual aspect of Native Americans, and he tried to make a profit out of that. And I think George Lucas, I mean, there, there's a lot of debate about this, but I think he was, he was very general when he came with the, the, the force. And I think, for me, I speak of a place like, it, it helped me understand my Native traditions. I, I didn't grow up traditional. I didn't grow up, you know, mainly living off the res or 
in the res, you know, I'm, I'm Navajo in Oneida. When I went back to Oneida, people made fun of me because I was Navajo. When I went to Navajo, people made fun of me because, you know, most Oneidas are light, so obviously I'm not native. And then when I go to, like, freaking white society, I'm still a little, little off-white, so I'm not really fully white. And so, like, there was a time period where I didn't know where I was at. And so when I started to go back home to, to hear the stories, to hear the old ones talk about, you know, those the... God, it sounds awful, like, stereotypical, but, like, those old ways, those, you know, those old times, so to speak, what what helped me understand it was the Force, was Star Wars, you know, like how certain people use medicine for good, Jedi, certain people who use medicine bad, Sith. I mean, these are things that help me get it, and I don't want to say it, it, it's not for everyone, it's just, this is, this is just how it helped me, but, or how I frame it in my mind, if that makes any sense whatsoever. I think it makes a lot of sense. Preach, Brother Enoch, preach. <laughs> well, just, just to call back to the um, uninitiated episode, uh, when Arvina was talking about uh, her daughter's experience at school, and uh, it is mostly teasing a little bit about the appropriation, but right on. Yeah, that was a James Q. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nez, talk about the appropriation. It's quick. <laughs> It's 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 there and gotta face it and Enoch just make it Enoch and Arvina have both made it very real. Something uh <laughs> that I talked about before, something fantastical, something ridiculous. I mean you look at most yeah. of those characters, they look silly. But when you put it into context like uh both of our guests have shared today, it's amazing. And it's not that far off from other religions. Jesus was always talking yeah. to farmers, so he always did parables that farmers would understand, talking about mustard seeds and oxens in ravine and that kind of stuff. And so uh, religions have always used that. But is Star Wars the new religion? Now I'm just being antagonistic. It is. I've recently read on someone like uh, the internet or an article from like Huffington Post or something like that, like ridiculous religions, and one of them was actually Jedi. However, the basis of collecting that data was Facebook. Like, uh, you know, those things where it says religion preference. A lot of people, like, I think the first one was Christianity, Judaism, and then Jedi. And I think that was hilarious because, I mean, in a way, it could be like freaking Futurama where (laughs) Star Trek or all that stuff just becomes a religion. I think it's actually a registered religion in... England or something, you know, that they can put that down as their religious choice as Jedi. It's a thing now. Uh, it's, well, England historically has always had a history of trying to prove their own <laughs> their own merit. <laughs> <laughs> to all of our English listeners, uh, Edic and Warrior's views do not <laughs> reflect those in the comic book society. I'm, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. Just because you you uh, try to get a divorce and want to marry another lady. Can't, you know, can't call yourself a new church. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. Calling out Henry the, which one is that, eighth or fifth or seventh? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right. Um, to be respectful of our guest times, let's go ahead and wrap up. Let's uh, let's revisit <laughs> another question, but since we're on the initiated, I want all y'all to keep it real. Who is your favorite character in all of Star Wars? Uh, I'll start, I say, Darth Maul from the version perpetrated by Visions with the robot legs. Robot legs, Darth Maul, 
everybody else. Nobody cares <laughs> about that. It's not canon. <laughs> it does. It's a robot lays Darth Maul. Period. All right. I don't think no, so. I, actually, that is canon. Everything from the Clone Wars <laughs> is canon. All right. Eat it. Go. Favorite character. Uh, Keep it real. Fudge. Why? Why you gotta put this on me, man? I'm gonna call out all of you as soon as you name your character. I have stuff for all of you. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. I would probably say my favorite character would have to be fucking Starkiller, which is not canon and is probably buried in the deepest part of Star Wars. But I love his story, and I freaking love Force Unleashed. Starkiller's a baby. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little baby. Stars, are you still going to go with Boba Fett, or are you going to switch over to the well, Ewoks? Because we all it's, know that. It's like, oh, it's like choosing your favorite child. How am I supposed to do this? I mean, as a... A girl that grew up being the Star Wars nerd, of course I love Leia. You know, she's the original badass bitch who's like, yeah, here my planet got blown up, but I still have work to do, and here I go, and I'm going to do this thing. And, you know, that internet meme with the uh, Skywalker boys are always tempted by the Force, and here's Leia with her, you know, her planet gets blown up, her parents are all dead, you know, everybody she knows is dead. She's never once tempted by the dark side, you know. (laughs) She also ditched go. her rebellion duties to save her himself. boyfriend. Oh. <laughs> what? She also ditched her rebellion leadership role to save her boyfriend from Jabba the Hutt. Well, no. Yeah, I mean, all love him I want to chime in and I want to support you on that one, Harvina, because dang it, man. Ah. Oh. George Lucas hey, making hey, making a bad feminist maybe character chasing also, after a dude. You could see you're a tremendous leader. We need you. That's <laughs> uh, true. Yeah, he right. even said it. And if, even it, said and if it. it wasn't for that scene, then you would we, you would never hear the lights of uh, Navajo in Star Wars, other than the Star Wars translated in Navajo. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Thanks for calling that out because that's a really important point that we hadn't talked about that much. First full length feature film translated entirely into Navajo. Star Wars, but also make sure to support uh, local Navajo artists who are making short-length films in Navajo. <laughs> and also go see Finding Nemo in Navajo. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Inez, call us all out, wrap us up, take us home. Oh, yeah. okay. My favorite unproblematic fave is always Obi-Wan. He's the one who progresses the story. He gets things done. He kills all the Sith in every movie, and he he's the one... He is the chosen one. And on that note, uh, I'm going to switch mine back over to Leia, just that way there's more female representation. (laughs) And uh, let's... Yeah! uh, (laughs) Thank you, Enoch. Thank you, Arvina. Thank you, co-host Nez Evans. Thank you, and uh, we will see everybody next time. May the Force be with you. And as Yoda says, fuck Disney. Good night, y'all. <laughs> Native Comic Book Society is brought to you by Pendleton Blankets. Stealing Native designs since the 1800s.